Welcome to another episode here at Supernatural's Confessions Podcast, where it is a safe place for you to confess all your experience, be it supernatural, myths, urban legends, superstitions, or even the unknowns. And as a team, we'll compile and feature your confessions on our platforms. You may reach out to us through our Facebook page or website, supernaturalconfessions.com and you are also invited to join us every Friday night on our Facebook live where Eugene, the founder of Supernatural Confessions and I host a weekly live show discussing all about the supernatural. I'm Kim, your host and now on to the show. First story for this episode of Supernatural Confession, it's told by Azhar Aman, entitled Three Knocks, and this story is narrated by Joel Goh. I used to stay with my sister and her husband before I got married. My brother-in-law is a police officer, and my sister was a housewife. This happened around 2005, when we were still staying at Bedok North Street 3. My sister knew my habits well. When my room door is closed, that means I'm inside the room. And if the room door is open, it means I'm out from work or somewhere. Back then, I was working as a restaurant manager in one of the popular F&B joints in Tampanese Mall. So every month then, we have to stay late till about 2 or 3 a.m. to do stocks or inventory checks. My sister is well aware of this too. One night, my sister reached home close to midnight after an evening with her friends. She was at home alone as my brother-in-law was doing his night shift. When she was going into her room, she saw my room door closed. She then asked casually, Hey, sudah makan? Or have you had your dinner yet? And apparently, the answer was yes. She then went into her room to change and shower. And once she was done with that, she came back out into the living room to catch some television. She remembered that soon after, it started drizzling. While watching TV, she was startled when the phone suddenly rang. She picked it up and answered, Hello? On the other end of the line was a familiar voice saying, as per normal today, man end, so I will be back quite late, okay? That person was me. That night, I reached home at about 2 plus a.m., which was when I saw the few familiar faces at the Void Deck. They were my sister, my brother-in-law, and his working partner. This was also when my sister related her experience to me. At first, I was really quite scared to go back to my room. But as they say, the more scared you are, the more the entities will haunt you, right? So we went up and said some prayers before entering the house. I then walked to my room, said another prayer before opening the door. All was okay. My room was just how it was before I left for work. At this point, I was 
actually a bit doubtful about what my sister had heard. There was probably some rational explanation. Besides, I was just too tired and since nothing strange was happening, I felt I was safe to sleep in my room that night. Thankfully, the night passed without any disturbances. Everything was fine for the next few days. Until the first incident happened to me. It was when I was home alone. My sister and her husband were actually on a short trip to Malaysia. In fact, I was about to fall asleep when I heard three knocks on my room door. I tried to ignore the knocks and forced myself to sleep, but I simply couldn't. My mind was racing and imagining things. Fortunately, that was the only strange thing that happened, but I tell you, it was enough to scare the shit out of me and made me stay up all night. There's just something about those three knocks that sounds very sinister. It sounded like it came directly from the door and not from outside. The next three nights until my sister and brother-in-law came back, I forced some friends to come over and stay with me. On the fourth night though, something happened. I was awakened at about 2am by the sound of the knocking again. This time, it came from the window. Again, it was three knocks. As my room was facing common corridor, I thought someone must have just been fooling around. Not wanting to take chances though, I prayed out loud and I went to bed. After this incident, there was no more knocking and no other paranormal occurrence for the next few years. Until it was a month before we were moving out of the house for a new owner who bought over. This final incident took place just after midnight. I was lying down on my bed watching TV when suddenly on my left side I felt as if something had sat beside me. I literally felt the mattress moved down as if someone had just sat on it. I kept quiet, tried to say some prayers but couldn't. I just lie on my bed thinking of the verses but my mind was blank with fear. All this time, I can feel that depression of the mattress on the left. I then slowly got up, opened my door, and just slept in the living room. I told my sister and my brother-in-law about those few incidences which I encountered, and they decided to do some prayers before we hand over the keys of the house to the new owner. Despite all those incidents, I'm just thankful that whatever they are, they did not show me how they look like. You know, like how they did in horror movies? Looking at the corner of your room or hiding underneath your bed? After listening to the story by Arshaw, have you ever questioned why the three knocks? So I went to do some digging. This is what I managed to find on the internet. It is said that three knocks on the door or wall or windows, it means death will come to take away one from the living. It is also said that three knocks is a sign of mocking the Holy Trinity. 
Superstition says that if you hear three knocks and no one is there, it is usually means someone close to you has passed away. It is also said that if you hear three knocks with no explanation behind those knocks, that someone you know has died or will die. I hope that is not the case for Azha, as the three knocks happened a few times in his life, but he did not explain it further whether anything else happened after that. Once again, thank you very much to Azha with that confession. Facebook or website Supernatural Confessions Remember you are not alone So the next story or the next confession came from a very brave lady named Serena Lim The staff toilet in my ex-company left side being female and the right being the male had a story that made it that way According to the cleaner auntie, in the beginning, the toilets were designed as left being male and right for the female. What facilitated that change was an incident involving an extremely potty mouth male staff and a temple medium. In the early years, and I think up until now, there had been an unwritten amongst the folks in the second and third shifts that there should be no swearing in the male toilet. But this guy, I name it Mr. I, I for idiot, ignored the rules and was in the toilet one night talking to his friends and swearing up a storm when he was gifted a huge slap on the face by an unknown entity. He was found passed out on the floor by another colleague later, half of his face red and swollen. Dude had to be carried out via a stretcher and was warded into a hospital for his concussion. I heard he never recovered and promptly resigned. His friends, who kept in touch with him later, said that he hadn't been the same. Dude became more subdued. Guess he'd learnt his lesson. The management engaged a medium then, due to the strange happenings, the toilet incident being the straw that broke the camel's back and through him, found out there was a lady residing in the toilet. Her pet peeves, men and vulgarity. Seems like she viewed this as a disrespect. The solution then? To change the toilets to their present day arrangements as she has been there a long time. My encounter was during one night after a brisk walk in the equally creepy West Coast Park. I returned to the office to have a shower to get ready for an overnight trip to Johor Bahru with friends. The only toilet available with shower facilities, you guessed it, it was the one at first floor. So I made my way into the toilet with my supplies. However, the moment I entered the toilet, right at the door, I was sit with the most uncomfortable feeling. The feeling of being stared at with a huge sprinkling of what are you doing here vibe. I actually stood there and considered my options, but in the end, cleanliness worn out. 
Cause seriously, no one wants to take an overnight trip to JB in a sticky and sweaty body. Took a deep breath and told whatever it was in English and then subsequently in Mandarin. Ah, I'm here to take a bath as I need to go JB tonight. Really don't want to take the bus with a sticky and sweaty body. I'll be off after this. I'm a scaredy cat, so please don't make noise or appear when I'm unprepared. Especially when I wash my hair and all. Please don't. You know I have a very huge and powerful mountain to support me and I don't want to have to call to him. No need to have things that ugly. Let me borrow your space for a while. With that, I marched into the last stall where the shower was, took a proper bath and just as I was about to leave, I said, thanks a lot. I appreciate your cooperation. It was years later that I learned about the story from the cleaner auntie, why no one uses the toilet when the sky turns dark. I was the cleaner's auntie's idol for quite a while. I guess supernatural entities or the unknowns are pretty much like human in most of the cases. They just want to be respected. I mean, unless they are vengeful or they are aggressive, then I guess that is another different story. I guess when you actually came across this entity or the unknowns, pretty much you gotta do what Serena had done, you know, just give them the respect that they deserve and ask for permissions and just proceed doing what you wanted to do. But I really gotta give it to Serena for her bravery. You are listening to Supernatural Confessions. Whatever you don't see doesn't mean it is not there. The next confession is confessed by Kai Tak and it is narrated by Sonia Kurana. And the confession happened from two different places. Now a group of German tourists reached one hotel after a long flight from Germany. The guide told the bus driver to drop her at the lobby and then park the bus in the parking lot behind the hotel. She ran to the reception, checked in and ran back to the bus. It took a long time at the reception for checking 50 tourists in. She was worried that her clients would be mad because they just had a long flight from home. She found no one when she reached the bus. All 50 tourists disappeared. She looked around and had no clue where those tourists went. She found a staff near the parking lot, so she asked if he saw a group of tourists around the area. He said they walked towards the back of the hotel, and she wondered to herself why the tourists would go there. It seemed like an odd place to be walking to. While she was walking to the back of the hotel, the tourists walked back with a smile on their faces. They patted her shoulders and said thank you. Some of them even gave her tips. She was confused, but she didn't ask. She gave out the room key cards to those tourists and left it as that. In the morning during breakfast, she checked on the tourists if their rooms were okay. 
One of the tourists greeted her happily and said, Thank you so much about yesterday. We didn't expect such a good welcoming show. What show? She asked. We were bored and tired yesterday. One kid in Thai traditional costume came on the bus while we were waiting for you. She told us to follow her. When we got off the bus, there were so many kids waiting for us. They led us back to the hotel. They performed something like folk dance. It was fun and amazing. The guide was confused. So she asked the hotel staff what show it was. The staff told her that they don't have a show for tourists. You can watch from my phone, one tourist said, and handed his phone to her. Um, that's strange. Why did it only record an empty courtyard? Oh, mine as well. There's only an empty courtyard in my pictures too. Wait, ask that guy. He has a good camera. Maybe he got something. After going through all the phones and cameras, all 50 tourists claimed that they watched the show yesterday, but no one captured anything but the empty courtyard. A Spanish couple went on a honeymoon trip. Their guide took them to museums and local areas. After spending the entire day out sightseeing, the couple had dinner and retired to their room early. While they were cuddling, the woman turned off the light, but turned it back on right away. Why? her husband asked. I saw a log in the middle of the room. It's really long. It reaches the ceiling. She turned the light off and then turned it on again. Where? What did you see? I see nothing now. Right there, in the middle. I only see it when I turn off the light, she said, as she turned the light off again. This time, her husband saw it as well. But it was not a log. It was a man. He looked big, tough and tall. But when they turned the light on, he disappeared. Who are you? What do you want? The husband asked. Silence. No one was there. Just them. All right, turn all the lights on. When they turned all the lights on, then they saw a man in traditional costume like they saw at the museum, looking at them angrily. The husband threw a bottle of water at the entity, grabbed his wife and ran to the guide's room. They told her what happened and together they went back to the couple's room, but there was no one inside. They only saw the bottle on the floor. The couple ended up sharing the room with their guide because it was too late to get a new hotel. Entirely different experience in a hotel. One was entertaining, the other one doesn't seem so happy with their presence. Is anyone here? The next two stories is about an entity named Nene Kapayan. The first story is by Zulkairi Jafar and it is narrated by Alvin, while the second story is narrated by Sonia Kurana. Both is the same story about Nene Kapayan. 
and it seems like Nenek Kebayan it's coming for the same reason. I will tell you a little bit about Nenek Kebayan at the end of these two stories. But before that, here are the stories. On a certain afternoon in November 1983, my mother was tending to my newborn younger brother who was crying in the room. I was playing my collection of toys in the living room. At the time, we stayed at Circuit Road near Macpherson in a small two-room corridor flat with the old school window just like in the attached picture. That day, the door was closed but the metal louvers of the window were opened so anyone passing by could look in. And that was exactly what happened. While I was so engrossed in playing, I didn't realize that someone was looking at me through the window. Only when I heard someone call out to me that I looked up and saw this old lady who was clad in dark clothes, her head covered in a tudung, and as was typical of the Muslim woman her age, we called them Nene, which means grandmother in Malay. I remembered that she was dark-skinned, but nothing too jarring in terms of appearance otherwise. She asked me who was that crying inside. I replied that it was my younger brother. She then said something about how she likes babies and asked if she can come in to see him. I don't think I gave her any answer as I didn't know how to respond. She then asked me to call my mom. I went in the room and told my mom that there was this nanny outside wanting to talk to her. My mom put my crying brother down on the bed and went to the window to see what that woman wanted, while I resumed playing with my toys nearby. Being the kid that I was then, and distracted by toys, I didn't pay attention to that conversation. The only thing that sounded odd was that the conversation was getting more and more heated. Then all of a sudden, my mother let out a scream. She grabbed me by the hand, dragged me to the room where my brother was, and slammed the door behind her. We stayed in the room for some time until my brother felt it was safe to take a peek outside. Seeing the nene is no longer there, she carried my brother in her arm with one hand and dragged me away with the other. We sat at a nearby coffee shop where we were surrounded by people and waited for my dad to come home from work. Now, the next part was told to me many years later by my aunt and then verified later by my mom herself. What happened during the conversation between my mom and the nene, according to my aunt, was that the old woman insisted on coming in to look at the baby. She was so persistent that she wouldn't take no for an answer. My mom sensed something was not right with this person, so she got a bit terse. That brought something out from the old woman, and she started to reveal what she was. Her eyes got wider and wider, and her mouth stretched into a sickening green. Her voice lowered into a deep growl. Her face started to contort. That was when my mom realized is that this thing in front of her wasn't human. That thing that reached out to grab my mom through the louvers and that's when she screamed. During that time, many other families have had run-ins or was visited by the same being. It became quite a stir around the different parts of the community and across the land until it was featured in the news. I don't know what happened in the end, but the stories simply seemed to have died out. All I know that was it, it didn't just end there for my family. We had to seek help from my mom and me due to certain health issues and other disturbances right after that incident. Well, 
That was what went down my first ever supernatural experience with my late mom. For those of you that can recall, Kaki Bukit had a new HDB development that was built upon old kampong grounds and a cemetery. Our house faced a hill which leads up to an old mosque. If you try to find that place on a map now, it would just show a cluster of new HDB blocks. No more mosque. And apparently, no more news of a Ninik Gabayan roaming the area. I stayed there for 12 years before moving out to Sengkang. I had two miscarriages in that house, and the final incident is the most painful memory I have to bear. So to many people, my husband included, the legend of Ninik Kabayan is a myth. But to me, I believe that's who was responsible for those deaths. My husband worked in an offshore marine company and I was a full-time housewife. We were wedded for about three years and living with his parents, that time before getting a place of our own at Kaki Bukit. So naturally, when the new home came, we tried to build a family. It didn't take long for me to get pregnant with our first child. My husband worked shift, so that would mean there was about two weeks in a month, sometimes, that he would be out at sea. My mother would come by to help out during those times. So what I'm about to tell you is not just the ramblings of a pregnant woman. My late mother, bless her soul, was able to corroborate my experience. I was in my third trimester, I remember. We were ready to welcome the arrival of my firstborn. That's when I encountered this Ninik. Back in those days, it was common for us to leave our doors open all the neighbours pretty much knew each other. And in the afternoons, the Malay neighbours from downstairs would come to the door to sell goreng pisang. We knew all the makchiks there. So when the nene appeared, we were quite puzzled. She wasn't selling anything. She just wanted to come into our home to congratulate us on the pregnancy. Although I remember feeling very uneasy at that time, I didn't want to appear offensive, so I let her in. She was quite unkempt and smelled stale, like someone who had not had a shower in a while. She placed her hands on my belly and smiled, talking to my child in Malay. I didn't understand all the words, but it really made me uncomfortable. My mom was asleep at that time. She usually takes her afternoon nap and would wake up around dinner time. This took place at about 6 p.m., I recall, because I was secretly hoping for my mother to get up soon, so I have an excuse to disengage. I made an excuse to go to the kitchen to make her a cup of coffee. She smiled at me. Her teeth were in terrible condition. That's what made her so memorable. She merely nodded at me and kept that grin plastered on her face as I went to the kitchen. From the kitchen, I could see the main door. So if she had left my home, I would easily have seen. And she's quite old and walked with a shuffle. 
So even more so, it would have been easy to spot her leaving. When I went back to the living room with coffee, she was nowhere to be seen. I checked the rooms, but no sign of her. I shrugged it off as probably something I might have missed and was glad she decided not to stay around. That night, I woke up with a terrible cramp in my abdomen. The contractions were terrible, but I knew it was too early for delivery. I bled all over the room. My mom called for an ambulance, but by the time I was taken to the hospital for a check, the baby was gone. I did not see the Ninik anymore, and I didn't tell anyone about it either. My husband and I decided to try again the following year, and again in the third trimester, the Ninik appeared at my door again. All the old memories came flooding back. This time, I did not let her enter, and I quickly closed the door on her. She was outside hurling insults and curses, demanding to be let in. I went to the room to wake my mother, and she went to the peephole to look at the nene and immediately told me to stay in the room and start praying. I'm not a very devout Catholic. I was introduced to the religion by my parents. Besides going for the occasional Sunday Mass, I was mostly Catholic by name. But that day I poured my heart into my prayers. My whole body was shaking in fear. I could sense whatever outside was evil. In my heart, I had always suspected the Ninik was behind my first miscarriage. But now, I was sure. From the room, I could hear her growling and cursing outside. Then there was a foul stench so strong, it was like the sewers had burst or something. Very foul smelling, and it seemed to come and go. Outside my door, I can hear my own mother calling upon the Lord's name. This went on for some time and finally all was quiet. I continued staying in my room. My mother came in and comforted me. She didn't want to elaborate much on it. But many years later, my mother revealed that through the peephole, she was able to see the Nenik's true form and it was hideous. She knew about such creatures from her growing up years in kampongs, but that was the first time she had seen one so close. I did not feel good the entire week, worried that I might bump into her, so I stayed home. The following week when my husband came back and we left home only for my regular gynae checkup, that's when we found out that my baby's heart had stopped beating. My husband doesn't believe in all this and attributed the miscarriages to me being stressed or purely biological reasons. But to me, I'm going to my grave with the belief that it was the Ninik that took my child. When I had my third child, we stayed at my in-law's place and there was no trouble at all. We moved back after the baby was born, despite me being hesitant to. But living with the in-laws weren't very convenient. In the first five years that we returned, I would sometimes smell that same stench at night and hear nails scratching on my window at night but no outright knocking. We moved out of that house as soon as we could. And thankfully, till today, I'm glad to say I had no further encounters. According to some beliefs, Nene Kabayan is actually the incarnation 
of jinns or some are incarnations of orang bunian and usually nenek kebayan are seen near the jungle area which usually has streams in it jinns who usually appeared as nenek kebayan are usually out to harm human listening to supernatural confessions if you have your own confessions to share reach out to us on our facebook or website supernatural confessions remember you are not alone we have come to the end of this episode of supernatural confessions If you have enjoyed this episode, please rate us with a 5-star review on whichever platform you are streaming this podcast on. Go on and tell your friends and family about us. You can find more of our content on YouTube, Facebook and our website. Search for keyword Supernatural Confessions. If you or someone you know have a confession to make, visit supernaturalconfessions.com. You can send it in text, voice memo, or even video format. Let us know if you want your identity to be kept secret. Supernatural Confessions is created by Eugene Tay. Until the next episode, my name is Kim, your host for this podcast series signing off with Whatever you don't see doesn't mean it is not there.